Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. September Shadows by Debbie Miggett After the sudden death of their parents, Jess Thomas and her sisters, Sly and Maggie, start creating a new life for themselves. But when Sly is accused of a crime she didn't commit, the young sisters are threatened with separation through foster care. Jess is determined to prove Sly's innocence, even at the cost of her own life. Cole McBride has been Jess's best friend since they were children. Now his feelings are deepening, just as Jess takes risks to protect her family. Can Cole convince Jess to trust him and God to help her? Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hamaker, and I am so glad you joined me. Today, I have with me Debbie Miggett. Midget? Miggett. Miggett, that's right. <laughs> I told her I was going to mess up, but I say that. She'll say it right. And I'm so glad that she's joining me. So, Debbie, set the record straight. How do you say your last name? Uh, today, it's Miggett. Dig it. Yes. Dig it. Okay. I will try to get that in my brain. I wish I was better at that. I blame it on the fact that when I was a kid learning to learning to read, they did not teach me phonics in school. It was the oh. whole language error and um, apparently in my school. So I'm uh, not sure that would have helped, but I'd like to blame it on that. Well, I'm actually pretty used to it. So don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for your kindness. So let's stop talking about how I mispronounced your name. And go on to writing. So tell me a little bit about this series that September Shadows is the first book in. Well, this is called the Justice Montana series. And it's set in the fictional town of Justice Montana. But it's actually based on the real town of Dillon. And so to research for the uh, setting and just to kind of get a feel for the um, where I was going to be, I really uh, dug into the area and uh, incorporated some of the local um, places to Dillon. Like um, in all of, in the whole series, um, there's uh, the Bannock is a ghost town mm -hmm. that is uh, up in the mountains, just not too, maybe about 20 minutes from Dillon. And so that uh, figures a little bit uh, in all of the books. And hmm. so, um, yeah, I've, I've never been to Montana. I've always wanted to go. It looks like a beautiful place to be. Yes. So I thought if I can't go there physically, I'm going to write myself in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe one day you'll get to go there. Oh, if it's on the agenda, you bet. <laughs> oh, it's, on the bucket, it's on the bucket list. I hate Absolutely. that. I'm like, oh. Anyway. All right. So that's, that's that September Shadows. And how long have you been a writer? Um, since I was seven years old, uh, yeah. uh, and I won't tell you how many years that is, but, uh, <laughs> 60, <laughs> yeah, we don't need to know, That's yeah. okay. but, um, yeah, I wrote my first story when I was in first grade. I couldn't, I couldn't read or write at that time because that was before kindergarten. I grew up in the days of no kindergarten. So I was learning right. to read and write at age seven. And I told my mom a story and she wrote it down for me and I took it to my teacher and she read it. And uh, that was my very first uh, entry. And I continued to write all through um, grade school. I entered contests. I wrote plays for my um, classmates to perform. And I won my first writing contest when I was in seventh grade. 
Mm. And uh, so I've, I've always, always just known that was who I am. That's what I was called to be. Yeah. And when did you get into romantic suspense um, in particular? Actually, September Shadows is my first. Okay. Um, my, uh, mostly what I've written up, up until um, about 15 years ago, I wrote my first book, which is a true story. It's the story of our three adoptions. And okay. uh, I'll just a teaser. My husband and I were infertile for 10 years and we were just months away from adopting. And God told me one day, cancel the adoption with not babies, not coming through them. And uh, 10 years of waiting, but mm-hmm. I knew that I knew when I heard God's voice and I obeyed him and we have three beautiful, amazing children through adoption and we weren't on a waiting list for any one of them. And so wow. that's the, that's our first book, Child of Promise. And mm-hmm. I guess you could call that romantic suspense because I do <laughs> detail a little about how I met my husband and it was very suspenseful, at least to me, Okay. <laughs> but uh, I have uh, always wanted to write this book I this uh these characters the setting everything has been in my mind oh for years and um I I started um just kind of playing with and I'm a pantser mm. and uh, although I'm kind of kind of swinging over uh into a plotter these days um yeah. but uh I just started writing out what was happening it's the uh, series is about two young girls um young women actually and it's told in the first person through the uh, eyes of Jess Thomas, mm-hmm. who at the beginning of the series is 16. Her okay. older sister, Sly, is uh, 23. And their young, younger sister, Maggie, is 11. And the girls have just in the last year lost their parents. And so Sly left college, came home, and the three girls are living there in their family home and trying to you know, go forward with their lives. But something happens that um, uh, kind of puts a wrench in the works and Sly is accused of, um, of a crime that she didn't commit, which definitely puts the girls in jeopardy of possibly being split up and having to go to foster care. So uh, Jess um, is, she uh, is kind of loosely based on my uh, literary hero when I was a girl growing up, which is Trixie Belden. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that <laughs> Love <laughs> yes, I did too. And so she's kind of adventurous and she sometimes takes some risks that make her uh, family and friends a little nervous, but she uh, doesn't set out to be a detective, but she pretty much ends up being one. And so she, all through the book, she's, um, she's, you know, trying to unravel some of the mysteries that come into their lives and uh, just have adventures and, um, a unique part about this series is that um, in my personal life, my mother and her sister married my dad and her brother and his brother. So two, two sisters married two brothers. Okay. Okay. So in my books, Jess and her sister Sly are in romantic relationships with Cole and Nick, who are also brothers. Oh, fun. So uh, it is fun. Um, and so... I'm, I'm having a great time. And one thing that I've heard the feedback from my readers is they really like the characters and they love the town and just the, the people. It's, um, I didn't really set out to write something that was um, you know, incorporating the whole town, but you start building people that you like and you want to bring them back. So yeah. um, 
that's true. So that's kind of uh, what, what the uh, whole series is about. Oh, very neat. Very neat. So, um, and we were talking a little bit before we started recording about, um, you know, being a writer and encouraging writers. And you said that, um, that that's something that you like to do is encourage writers. So um, how do you do that? Uh, well, I, that's a good question. I, I think I just share some, some of the stories, the way that, you know, God has kind of nudged me along the way. And uh, I, one specific one, and this is actually in the, in the book, Child of Promise, uh, before any of our children came along, I remember I went to my husband and uh, I said, I was working full time. And I just, it was burning in me. And as a writer, I'm sure you can relate to that. It's like the story is burning in you and you've got to get it out. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I think I um, need to be a writer. And um, my husband in true so like fashion said, you mean as opposed to being employed? <laughs> 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 and I said, well, I suppose so. So yeah. he, he, made a, he made a bargain with me. He said, if God really is calling you to be a writer, then you have six months to make um, $600. Okay. And of course, it, this was back in, uh, oh my, it had to be 1996, probably. Yeah. So $600 back there, you know, was a lot of money. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, especially when you're, that was in the days when you're writing on a, sometimes a manual typewriter. Yeah. And you're yeah. using the, uh, you know, sending it off in a self-addressed stamped envelope and yes. all of those things. And so anyway, I took the challenge and uh, I was, I started selling stories, short stories, uh, articles, different things. And, um, but I was about two weeks to the deadline of six months and I was um, $200 short. Mm. And so I, uh, I was kind of like, well, you know, I'm sure, you know, this is, I'm so close. I'm sure he'll say, okay, anyway, but um, one day I got a phone call and it was from uh, this woman and being from the Midwest, I wasn't quite ready for a New York accent. And it was a strong New York accent. And she introduced herself and said that she was from the Reader's Digest oh. and that I had sent just a short, uh, funny story uh, to life in the United States. Mm -hmm. And that they wanted to buy my story and that uh, I would be receiving my check in the mail. And at the time I had uh, promised my mom because she told me the story that if I sold it, I was going to give her half. Yeah. And so I knew that they paid at that point, $300. And so I was, after I hung up, I was just like, Oh my, I'm so close. Cause once I give my mom half yeah. I'm $50 short. So literally on the day, the end of the six months, I went up to my mailbox and I got a check from Reader's Digest with a note that said, by the way, this month we have changed our pay policy and you can now, you're now receiving $400. Oh. So in six months, I made $600. And yeah, that's a great so story. The Lord yeah. just, you know, he just put his stamp of approval. It's like, this is really who you are. So I, I like to encourage writers to just look for their own uh, nudges along the way. How is yeah. God encouraging you? Uh, so I, yeah. and I especially like to encourage young writers. Mm -hmm. I really have a heart for that. 
Yeah, now, Debbie, and that's such a, I think a, I like that story in, in many different ways. And, um, you know, it's always wonderful to see how God encourages our hearts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always lovely to Absolutely. see. Absolutely. But the other thing I like about it was I think your husband had real wisdom to mm-hmm. put a dollar amount on your writing. Right. I mean, sometimes we think, well, what if I just get this, pop-? you know, but. Do we know, have to tell him that? I'm sorry? Do we have to tell him that? No, we don't. Okay. Listen, listen <laughs> this is a secret between the two of us, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Listeners don't tell her husband. That's right. No, I just, but, but really that the, I mean, you could have done it yourself. You could have said, if I don't make so, this much money, then right. I, you know, and I think that that, you know, when you're in a position where a, you, you need to make some income to contribute to the family. Mm-hmm. And B, you, you know, you want to be a wise steward of your time. Right. You know, um, I think it is wise to put some sort of, you know, parameter, because otherwise, how are you going to know whether you reach your goals? So many times right. you say, well, I'm just going to be a writer. Well, what are your goals? Well, I don't really have any goals. Well, what are your goals? When do you hope to achieve these goals? How are you mm-hmm. going to measure the success? And that's, I think it's just so important for writing and um, well, really just for life, but especially for writing, because we can get so discouraged and we don't, but if we see that, oh, well, I'm going to send out three query letters this month to agents, you know, or I'm going to do, and those are like tangible goals we can make yeah. mm-hmm. and that we can kind of working toward our craft, right? right. And I think that that's what I loved about your story is that you just didn't sit there and go, well, I hope a check comes in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, do that a lot anyway, but <laughs> but we all love checks that come in the mail. Right. But you're but you were out there submitting your things and right. finding out how to submit them, where to submit them, what to do, what stories to write. You were working hard at it. Right. But you had a measurable way to do it. I love that. I think that's yeah. just fantastic. So are you still writing like those little bits and pieces? Or are you mostly working on books these days? Mostly I'm working on books. Um, I'm, uh, I've got the next uh, installment of the Justice series is called November Night. And uh, it was actually, I had hoped to have that one ready for my publisher uh, near the end of this year, but uh, we're in the process of moving uh-huh. and becoming empty nesters. So that has kind of- uh, Consumed your life. Yes, over everything. Um, <laughs> But, uh, and I, the funny thing is, I think all writers struggle with this. The minute you start writing something, you're like, oh, I want to write that. Yeah. And it's so easy to go squirrel, you know, <laughs> go yeah. off and chasing, you know, another something else. But it's also nice when you have a contract that you signed. <laughs> yeah. and it's like you are responsible to meet this contract. So, uh, and plus, I love my characters. I'm, I'm actually uh, missing them very much while I'm on my hiatus here. So. Yes. Get back. Yeah. No, I, I read a blog post once about loving the work in progress that you're in, the whip you're in, you know, because yeah. it, it is so true. It's so easy to look at the shiny new object and go, oh, I don't need to worry about this. Oh, this. right. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm going after this one now. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to finish. It's hard to press through and things yeah. get. There's something to be said for discipline and for self-discipline. Even even as creatives, we have to be have some self-discipline. We do. We definitely do. Not fun, Um, but yes, yeah. So when when do you when you're not moving house on a before you were moving house? 
When did you fit writing into your schedule? Well, I uh, actually, when I signed the contract and, oh, that's another whole podcast. When I tell you how, yeah. I, how I signed that contract, that was definitely God, a God thing. Yes, but when okay. I signed my contract uh, for the series in uh, 2019, I was working um, not quite full time, but almost full time and uh, at a, in a Christian ministry. But when I signed that, my husband, and I sat down, it was like, this has been the goal. Uh, mm-hmm. And if I'm if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it now. So right. I did retire. And all of a sudden, I had all of this time. Yeah. And of course, I still uh, even at 67, um, my younger kids are only 21 and 22. Okay. So, you know, I still had at that time teenagers in the house mm. and not just my own, but other people's. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like Grand Central Station. Um, mm-hmm. And so when we move, it's going to be a, a great uh, change for me because everybody's going to be gone and I'm going to be all quiet. And then I have to really get down to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to check in with you. Um, yes. How that's working out for you. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, we are out of time today, Debbie. Is there anything else our our listeners need to know about September Shadows before we say goodbye? Uh, Just that I think that you're going to love Jess and Cole and uh, Sly and Nick and Maggie and everybody else in the town of uh, Justice. Um, And I just hope you check it out. You'll enjoy it. All right. Well, uh, listeners, you can find out more about how to get in touch with Debbie with the notes for this podcast. But thank you for being on my show. Thank you. All right, say your last name one more time. Migot. Migot. Okay. So yeah. you've been listening to <laughs> The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hamaker, and I'm with Debbie Migot. Got it. Yes. All right. Uh, and we've been talking about writing and uh, her newest book, uh, one of her newest books, uh, September Shadows. And stay tuned for an excerpt from that book after this. Now, an excerpt from September Shadows by Debbie Migot. Tough day? Cole asks, as we head south on Route 41. I swallow the lump that appears in my throat at his gently voiced question. Not too bad, I mumble. I can handle it. Good. Cole parks the truck in the drive, and I hurry to change my clothes. Maybe if I do some physical labor, I can work off the tension that's been building inside. An hour later, I survey the stable with satisfaction. Clean enough to eat off the floor. At least, if you're a horse. As I return the broom, I hear voices by the paddock. Amy and Tabitha stand with their backs to the stable, talking and laughing. I begin to walk away, but overhear the words Thomas and thief. Stopping, I turn back toward them. The frustration and anger that tormented me all day boil to the surface. Excuse me, what did you say? I speak through gritted teeth. Amy swings around to face me. From her smirk, it's apparent she knew I was nearby when she made her accusation. Why, I was telling Tabby your sister stole money from my family's business. I guess that's why she's called Sly, hmm? In two seconds, I've crossed the space to Amy. That's a lie, and you know it. I shake her, hard. My sister never stole anything in her life. Take your dirty hands off me. Amy grits her teeth as she shoves me. 
My uncle says they've been watching your sister for months, waiting to catch her in the act. She's a thief, and they'll put her in jail where thieves belong. As Amy turns her back, I tackle her from behind. I'm smaller but fierce, and within seconds, I have her long blonde hair wrapped around my fists. By this time, her screams have drawn spectators, and a few seconds later, I feel two strong arms lift me off Amy. Jess! Cole's tone is furious. Let her go! But I'm beyond caring what anybody thinks, even Cole. No! You didn't hear what she said about Sly! He untangles my hands from Amy's hair and concentrates on keeping me from attacking her again. Tabitha kneels on the ground, comforting Amy, who lays in the dirt crying. Get her out of here! Amy screams, glaring up at Cole. I swear, I'll have her arrested too if she doesn't leave right now! Cole wraps one arm around my middle and carries me toward the pickup. I've been deprived of Amy, so I focus my fury on him. He grunts as the heels of my booted feet connect with his shins. Opening the truck door with one hand, he deposits me on the seat with a decided thump. I reach for the door handle. Don't, he growls. I cross my arms, settling back against the cushion. Cole strides around and climbs into the driver's seat. Seatbelt, he snaps. The tires toss gravel and dust behind us. Sullenly, I fasten my seatbelt and then take a swift glance in the rearview mirror, watching as Tabitha and Ben help Amy to her feet. I peek at Cole's profile. I've never seen him so grim. It occurs to me that he might get fired because of my actions. After all, he recommended me for the job. Biting my lip, I'm swamped with embarrassment and guilt. I've battled my quick temper all my life, but I've never assaulted anyone. Glancing down, I see a few strands of Amy's blonde hair still captured in my fingers, and hot tears sting my eyes. I rapidly blink them away, refusing to cry. That would be the ultimate humiliation. Cole startles me when he swings off the highway and onto a gravel road. A wooden sign shaped like an arrow says, Fleming's Lake. He still hasn't spoke a word as he parks near the edge of the bluff overlooking the water. Are you planning to dump my body in the lake? I offer a weak smile at my own joke, but I'm not reassured when he doesn't respond with an answering grin. For a second, I worry he's giving the matter serious consideration. Cole leans his head back against the headrest. No, he sighs. If anyone deserves to land in the lake, it's me. I should never have taken you out to Hadley's this afternoon. You've had a rough week, and you might say Amy isn't always very, um, sensitive. I lift an eyebrow. <laughs> you might say. Sarcasm coats my words. He slants me a frown. That doesn't excuse what you did, though. 
attacking Amy wasn't smart. First, it's not very Christian. And second, you didn't help Sly's case with the Sinclairs. I start to protest that I don't feel very Christian today, but his last comment catches my attention. He's right. I've hurt Sly's chances for a quick resolution. You're right. I let my temper get away from me. Again. I didn't solve anything, and I probably made it worse. I notice my boot marks on Cole's jeans. Um, I'm sorry for kicking you. I guess I wasn't aware of what I was doing. I feel my face flush with the lie, and I glance away, unable to meet Cole's eyes. Uh-huh. Cole doesn't appear convinced. Be glad the horse trough was empty, or we might be having this conversation with you dripping wet. But his slow smile takes the sting out of the words. Come on, slugger, let's take you home. Sly has enough on her mind without wondering why you're late. When we arrive, Nick's squad car and Mr. McBride's car sit in the driveway. Cole settles his arm over my shoulders as we step through the front door. Mr. and Mrs. McBride perch on the couch beside Maggie. Sly and Nick face each other like two old-time gunslingers, ready for a showdown. What's going on? I ask. Sly looks at me, then steps toward Nick, holding out her hands. You're right on time, she announces. Nick is arresting me. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.